But today I want to talk to you about the Christmas story and uh, the message of Christmas. And I want you to notice what it says in John chapter number 12 and verse number 32. Jesus says, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. I'd like for us to read that together and notice the emphasis on Jesus saying, I, if I be lifted up. Let's read it together. Ready? And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Now I'm going to continue to read here a few verses. This he said, signifying what death he should die. The people answered him, we have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. And how sayest thou, the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. Just look again at verse number, at the verse we just read. If I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. Would you bow with me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, as we study the word of God, that it would study us. Speak to us, Lord, we pray. Move in our midst at this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to say a few things that may shock you tonight. Uh, but I agree, if you follow me through the end of the message, I, I, I believe that you'll agree with me. You know, we get so much theology from Hollywood, so much theology from the theological books, you know, and the commentaries. I think it was Johnny Cash that originally said, boy, the Bible sure sheds a lot of light on the commentaries. And really, we don't need a lot of other things. Uh, the Bible was written on a, a child's reading level. Um, it's not that we have a problem we can't understand it. We just don't like what it says because it testifies against us. And then we want to rewrite it. We want to try to re-explain it or explain it away to make it fit our lifestyle. Well, anyway, I want to say this about the cross of Jesus and the cradle of Christ are linked together by the will of God. You say, well, preacher, I agree with that. Okay, well, follow me as we go through this, the lesson tonight. When Jesus stood before Pilate, what did he say? He said, to this end was I born. It all came down to this. In John chapter 5 and verse number 30, Jesus, he said that he did not come to seek his own will, but the will of the Father. And then in John chapter 4, verse number 34, he said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. If you remember when he died, if you remember, he said, uh, right before he died in the garden of Gethsemane, this was his prayer, not my will, but thine be done. And that ought to be our prayer as well. You know, you've got a will and sometimes it collides with the will of Jesus. Sometimes it'll collide with the will of God. We ought to say, not my will, but thine be done. We ought to give our lives a living sacrifice. We ought to be willing to lay our lives down and be a living sacrifice. The scriptures say, which is our reasonable service. And Jesus set that example. He came to die. He came to bear record of the truth. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. The Bible says he came to destroy the works of the devil. And certainly he did that. Anyway, what's sad is that we put way too much emphasis. Now, if you're just going to hear a part of my message, as is the case quite often, if you hear just a part of the message, any message for that matter, 
you may take it out of context. So listen very carefully to what I'm going to say. I like to make startling statements, you know, and try to get your attention. So here is a very important statement I want you to hear. I believe we put way too much emphasis on the death of Jesus in the story of man's redemption. You hear what I said? I believe we put way too much emphasis on the death of Christ in the story of a man's redemption. I believe that that is shallow Christianity. And I believe when we get finished, I, I believe you'll agree with me. There's a whole lot more to our redemption than just the death of Christ. In fact, it's not all even summed up in the death of Christ. We say, and rightfully so, that Jesus died for your sins, the just for the unjust, and that's true. Uh, but it's more than that. Now, I'm not saying that we should say less about the death of Christ, but I propose that we should speak more about the things surrounding the death of Christ in that the whole work of man's redemption. For example, I just don't think that we talk about his sinless life enough. I mean, because it doesn't make any difference. I mean, how good he was. If he was not sinless, he was not the son of God. And if he was not sinless, then he could not die for our sins. He'd have to die for his own sins, right? And so what good is his death if he didn't live a sinless life? For example, the cradle and the cross, they go together. The virgin birth is tied to his resurrection. I mean, if Jesus wasn't virgin born, then he was born with a sin nature. He wasn't born with the nature of God and the son of God and the son of man. I want to say something. Jesus is not 50% man and 50% God. Jesus is 100% man and 100% God. It was obvious that he was God in the flesh. I mean, Lazarus said as much. I mean, it was clear. No man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Well, anyway, he said to Philip, Philip said, show us the Father and it, it'll suffice us. And then Jesus said, Philip, look at me, look at me. The virgin birth. When you see me, you are looking at God. The only begotten Son of God. Now listen very, very carefully. If Jesus wasn't virgin born, then his blood was corrupted blood. If Jesus, if he was not virgin born, then his flesh was corruptible flesh. But the Bible says that his, in the grave, the Bible says, neither did his, his flesh see corruption. Because not only was he in the spirit God, but he was in the flesh God, if you remember listening last Sunday in Sunday school. It's talking about he is in, in his birth. It's not talking about his spirit. It's talking about in his very birth, in his very flesh, in his own body. His body was out of God and is the very flesh of God. It's wrong to say, you know, Jesus in a lot of these modern versions will say, well, Jesus is the, you know, son of God, the only son of God. Well, that's not okay. That's really not true. Because the scriptures say again and again and again, right? He came into his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him to them gave he power to become the what? Sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. There are many sons of God, but there's only one begotten son of God. The scriptures say in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. I cannot believe that people are shocked when sinful men do sinful things. It just blows my mind away. It doesn't shock me when people fall. 
I mean, really, it shouldn't shock us at all because, as I've said, the best of men are at best men and very wicked sinners. And you would be surprised what you would get away with if you thought, you, what you would do if you thought that you could get away with it. And then some people will just do it knowing that they're not going to get away with it, but do it anyway. That's because the heart is deceitful and the flesh is wicked. Right? But thank God that's not true of Jesus who was in all points tempted such as we and yet without sin. Let me move on. What about his resurrection? Had Jesus died and not rose again, friend? What's the scripture saying? We are of all men most miserable. We're still yet in our sins. What good is his birth? What good is his sinless life? What good is his death if he didn't rise again? Amen? Part of the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Amen? And so he came, he said, to this end was I born. This is what the whole Christmas story is all about. And for this cause came I into the world to bear record of the truth. And the Bible says he bared record of that truth on the cross. He said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And really the message of the cross is that, listen, sin must be atoned for. There's a penalty for sin, and that penalty is death. And Jesus died in our place, but he rose again the third day. Now, wait a minute. What difference does it make if Jesus was virgin born? What difference does it make if he lived a sinless life and he died a vicarious death and he rose again if he's not coming again? Now, wait a minute here. The Bible says that he ascended back to heaven. And if he didn't go to heaven, then guess what? We don't have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. I mean, Hebrews chapters 9 and 7, 8, 9 and even 10 where it talks about he went into heaven, but not without blood. He went with his own blood, put his own blood on the mercy seat in heaven. Amen. And that blood is incorruptible blood. The Bible says that we're saved by two incorruptible things. The word of God that liveth and abideth forever and the blood, the Bible and the blood. Are you with me? Both are sacred. Both are incorruptible. Well, anyway, and so um, tonight what I want to do is speak about something that what I said so far, you said, well, preacher, I've heard messages like that before. I mean, haven't we all? You know, but there's one thing that I think is missing. And that is a very important part of the Christmas story that we see on the cross. And it's really emphasized more than his death. And that's his suffering. How that Christ suffered for us. Not just died, but he suffered for us. Now, I want you to listen very, very carefully. I want to talk to you tonight on that fact. And I want to give you several observations. The first observation is this. There are about 20 references, direct references, in the Bible that I could tell where it talks about where Jesus died on the cross or where Jesus died, you know? Like, um, for example, Romans chapter 5 and verse number 6. It says, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. It does say that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 3, it says, Christ died for our sins. That's, that's right. And it does say that in no uncertain terms. And brother, we need to preach that. Amen? How that Jesus died for our sins. 
I remember when I was in college one time years ago and a, a, a teacher was teaching along this very same line and he said, listen, don't leave him in the grave. Let the people know that you're sharing the gospel with that he's alive, amen? And that um, he hears prayers and he still, he still saves, amen? And uh, well, anyway, the Bible puts, as far as I can tell, more emphasis on, listen to me now, this is the whole message, how he died rather than the fact that he did die on the cross. There's more emphasis on his suffering on the cross than there is his death on the cross, is what I'm talking about. So the Bible puts more emphasis on how he died, how he died, rather than the fact that he did die. For example, in Philippians chapter number 2 and verse number 8, it says that Jesus, he became obedient unto death. But then it focuses on how he died, even the death of a cross. So he's saying, okay, yes, he did die, but he died the death of, on the cross. Turn me down just a tad. I hear a little bit of echo. Um, and, and so let's think about the cross for just a second. Let's talk about even the death of the cross. I mean, it was an agonizing experience. The word crucifixion wasn't even said in polite society. It just conjured up or brought up terrible thoughts, you know, and thoughts that, you know, you just, you just didn't talk about. Some things that just, you know, would, would call to mind some terrible, terrible things, you know. And so when we think about the agony of the cross, the excruciating pain and suffering that he endured for you and for me on the cross, if we think about it just for a minute, his suffering is tied to his birth. The birth pangs are tied to the death pains, you could say. Anyway, so he became obedient to death and the focus now, even the death of the cross. Not just any death, but the agonizing death of a cross. The Bible speaks more about his suffering than it does his death or how he died rather than the fact that he did die. Now, again, I'm saying that we need to talk about the things that surround his death that makes his death legitimate, okay? And suffering is, sinless life is one of those things. His suffering is one of those things. God said in the Old Testament, this is the way he's going to die. Had he not died that way, then he would not have fulfilled scripture and his death would have been null and void. We'd still be in our sins. And so, again, the scripture speaks so much about not just the fact that he died, but that he did die an agonizing death. Now, let me give you just a few verses. Now, I count about 20 times where it says explicitly that Christ died. But I see many, many more, maybe multiplied, maybe five, maybe 10 times more. I can't say for sure because I could not find it anywhere. But just in my understanding of scriptures, it seems like to me that his suffering is emphasized more than his death. His suffering is emphasized even more than his resurrection. His suffering is emphasized even more than his ascension. I'm not saying that we should minimize any of these things. I'm saying everything about Christ, we ought to maximize. There's people that they don't believe that we ought to celebrate Christmas around Christmas time because somehow as a pagan holiday, they say, well, Christians, they kind of adopted a pagan holiday. I think the facts are abundantly clear that the pagans adopted a Christian holiday. 
That's what I think. But anyway, big deal. So? So what? I mean, after all, what is wrong with celebrating the birth of Jesus every day? Amen? I mean, if you're going to run from that, you might as well not come to church on Sunday because Sunday is the day of the sun or the sun god day. And you can't do Saturday because that was Saturnalia day. You know, the god of Saturn. And every day is like that. Months are like that. So, man, we don't need to get hung up on all that stuff. You know, it's like for some people, it's almost as if you got to cancel Halloween if it falls on a Wednesday because we can't serve God on, you know, a day that everybody else is serving the devil. First of all, you know, maybe, maybe not. I don't know, but I've never seen anybody. Nobody's ever told me, not any credible witness has ever told me, well, I believe them. Well, yeah, I used to be a wicked witch. I used to be a, a, a demon-possessed person. And we used to slaughter babies out, you know, out, out in the wilderness and drink their blood and all that stuff. And sacrifice. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But that's not going to stop me from serving Jesus. Amen. Or somehow just, you know, make, make it less. You, you know what I'm saying? Um, I remember years ago, um, Bert Lanchy, she said, you know, my kid wants to do something on Halloween. She said, do you mind if I just come to the church and just, just, I'm not asking anybody else to come. I just want to put Sarah in a, you know, a whole armor of God outfit, bring her to church and, and um, I, I do something here at the church. I said, yeah, I'll bring my kids too. You know, I certainly don't have a problem with glorifying Jesus on a demonic holiday. And it's the same way with Christmas as well. Well, anyway, I don't know how I got off on that, but, but let me give you just a few verses here to show what I'm talking about. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 21, says that Christ also suffered for us. And then 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 18, says that Christ hath um, once suffered for sins. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 1, says, For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh... Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 12, says that Jesus suffered without the gate. Always emphasizing suffer, not died out without the gate, suffered without the gate. Now, I'm not saying that these writers here, Peter and Hebrews, I'm not saying that they're trying to minimize his death. I'm just trying to say they're putting it all in the balance here. That Jesus died an agonizing death, and we need to remember that. All righty. Well, Isaiah Chapter number 53. Now notice what it says right here. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And doesn't even talk about his death right here. It says by his stripes we are healed. So there's something about the suffering of Jesus. It's in line with scriptures. And I believe also that when Jesus said... If I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. What he was talking about was not his death because when he died, they didn't lift him up, they took him down. Okay, he's saying, listen, if I, while I'm alive on the cross, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. There's something about suffering that just causes us to focus on the one that's suffering. If somebody right now were to get appendicitis, and uh, you know how that is extremely painful. You double over. Everybody's attention would be drawn to that person. If I were to just, 
if I were to cut my hand right now and you were to see, if you remembered about three years ago I was preaching and I, somehow I got some blood and I'm spitting out blood, you know, I bit my tongue or I don't know what I did. You, you know what I'm talking about? And then y'all looking at me not paying, to a, not paying attention to a word that I'm saying. You remember that? And next thing you know, my wife comes walking up over here and she's got this rag or whatever. This, what's going on? You know? And uh, she says, you know, right here, she says, you're bleeding. And uh, there's just something about blood that attracts our attention. If I were to cut my hand right now and the blood were to drip, you wouldn't look at my feet, you wouldn't look at my head, my mouth, or anything else. Your attention would be drawn to my blood. And when Jesus suffered and bled on the cross, what he was saying is, by my agonizing death, bleeding on the cross, I will draw all men unto me. My suffering draws all men unto me. That's what I believe he is saying. Now let me give you some evidence here. Did you know that the very first prophecy in the Bible, and by the way, you'll be hard-pressed to find prophecies of his death in the Old Testament. It's like by his stripes we're healed. I'm not saying that his death is not part of prophecy. Jesus himself said that. He said, should not Christ have suffered and died? Right, when he was talking to those on the road to Emmaus. But what I am saying is you're going to be hard-pressed to find where it talks about his death in the Old Testament. It seems as if it's on his suffering. When you look at Psalm chapter number 22, for example. When you look at Isaiah chapter 53. When you look at the first prophecy regarding Jesus coming to be a sacrifice for our sin. It doesn't even say he's going to die, the just for the unjust. It just simply says that the seed of the serpent will bruise his heel. A bruise, that's suffering, right? You know, that hurts, you know? And uh, you stub your toe, you bruise your heel. That's pain. That's what it says right there. And then it goes on and it speaks about one death. You know, the Bible says Christ died once. That's what it says. And then rose again one time. But the scriptures also talk about his suffering when he died and put the emphasis more on his sufferings, plural. One death, but much suffering. That's what the scripture says. For example, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 5. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 10. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 1. Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 10. And more speak about plural, the sufferings of Christ, and not that he suffered. So it's talking about manifold sufferings. And brother, he did suffer, did he not? Think about the, the cat of nine tails. And I'm not, you know, I'm not even sure that that's the case. We're reading what's not there. The, the Romans were not under Jewish law. I mean, they were beat by Roman law. At that point, they, they, the Jews could not crucify. This was a Roman thing. And so the Romans, after they, they took him, after he was condemned, then it became the Roman. And they, they tortured him. They, they, they hurt him. They caused his pain by their methods, not by Jewish methods, but be that as it may, the Bible speaks about the many sufferings. I mean, he was beaten with a whip, the, the crown of thorns, the nails in his hands and in his feet, how they punched him. They took his beard and ripped it out of his face. You think about that. And Jesus is saying, when I went to the cross, I went to the cross in agony. 
and being lifted up in agony. That draws all men to me for these 2,000 years. The agony that he has suffered on the cross has drawn people to Christ. Thank God for the inspired scripture, the preserved word of God. And even reading it in the word of God, with the language of God, it still is extremely convicting, is it not? How he would die. And I'm not talking about just dying. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself right now, but let me just follow this, this line of thinking. We're talking about the just for the unjust. The Bible says, you know, for a righteous man, one would scarcely die. But when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lie down his life for his friends. Isn't that what it says? But we were no friends of Jesus when he died for us. We were still in our sins, running from God. But it was his suffering that caused us to see, here is somebody that is willing to pay. Listen, an ultimate... The, the death part of dying uh, 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 of the crucifixion is not that big of a deal. Think about this. How many people have you known over the years when they're getting up in years and brother, I mean, every day they wake up and they're in pain. My mother is getting to that place right now. She wakes up in pain and she says, you know, getting old is no fun. And I know that she has said in times, and I've heard other people say the same thing. Ken Armistead, for example, is a wonderful member here years ago. He couldn't see, he couldn't talk, he couldn't hear. And all he basically was was like so many others that you and I both know. They've got up in years. They had no life left, no energy left. And death is a welcome release, is it not? And you know as well as I do, when your loved one is in a hospital bed and they're suffering in agony, gasping for air, and hospice has done all that they can do, is it not a relief to you when it's all over? You know it's the truth. And so really, as far as the death part, that's, that's the end of the suffering. Are you with me here? That's the end of the suffering. And so really, the, the worst part of it was when Christ was on the cross. Not when he had died and he was taken down from the cross. Because it was on the cross when he was still alive, suffering, that he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It was while he was on the cross in all that agony and all that pain he became a curse for us because Galatians chapter 3 verse number 13 says, Cursed is every man that hangeth on a tree. The agony, the humiliation. That's why he came. You can't take away. The cradle and the cross, they go together. But the cross is about the six hours of life that he was on the cross. Not his death when they took him down from the cross. Because they took him down real fast. As soon as he died, right? They came in and said, we got to get him, we got to get him in the grave before the new day starts, six o'clock at night, right? And so he was taken down right after he died. And so, anyway, now think about this for just a second. It is not a big deal. For somebody to die for somebody else. Except when it's your turn. 
right? And it's your time to die. That's always a big deal. That's always a, you know, that, that, that's a deep valley, is it not? Man, that's a cold, dark river. Chili Jordan, it's really cold, isn't it? And all of us, I mean, I don't want to be like Paul. Paul wanted to die. He wanted to be a martyr because he wanted to under, you know, feel resurrection power. You know, I want to know what, I, I, I want to die like Christ and I want to be raised like Christ with resurrection power. Not me. I want to leave this world by rapture. You know what I'm saying? I'm a sissy when it comes to pain. Well, that's what I'm talking about. It's the pain that makes dying for somebody else so hard. Alrighty? Now let me just say what I mean. People die for their principles, die for the truth, right? People die for their country. I mean, there's people that would die for their friends, die for their family. Although, I'm not trying to minimize that. I'm just saying, just dying for somebody else is, is, is really not that big of a deal, especially the older you get. Like, for example, this little girl right here. It should be easy for me or any one of us, like Brother Tom, to say, well, yeah, my life is just about over. If I were to die for that little girl, then, yeah. I mean, I'm just giving up a few years, but if she died for me, she'd be giving up a whole lifetime. So we understand that, right? But now let's, let, let's, let's throw pain into the mix, okay? Now it's just, not, it's just not like, oh, okay, you're just talking about me dying? What, what do you mean? You're just talking about giving me a sleeping pill, putting me to sleep, and then while I'm asleep, injecting me again and stopping my heart? Is that what you mean? I, I, I don't want to. But I will. I'll do that for my wife. I'll do that for my family, my friends, my country. Who wouldn't? Especially when, you know, common sense and just love for humanity, that kind of a thing. Even, even atheists do that. But now let's throw, some, let's, let's throw something into the mix. Let's throw some suffering into the mix. So somebody says to you, okay, you or your wife is going to die. Or you and your friend are going to die. I'm going to kill one of you two. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to just shoot you in the head and make it a quick and painless death. I'm going to make it hard for you to die. All righty. I'm going to drive nails in your hands. That's what I'm going to do. And in addition to that, I'm going to humiliate you. And in addition to that, I'm going to drive nails into your feet. And I'm going to beat you within an inch of your life. And I'm going to make you live as long as possible. Now, what would you do? Now, death is just not, that's just not the price. Now, all of a sudden, death becomes a much more precious commodity now because it's accompanied by pain. And the more agonizing the pain, the more we repine away from death. I don't even like going to the dentist. You know what I'm saying? But everyone, thank God now for, you know, hospice and morphine and things like that. But you know what I'm talking about? There are a lot of people that have suffered in agony. And that's one thing when you've got to suffer for yourself. But when you say, no, I will take the nails for somebody else. I'll take the crown for somebody else. Now, that's going to weed out a lot of people. Would you not agree? You better know it would. Now, I will tell you this. Everybody has a breaking point. And sooner or later, the agony got bad enough, we would all of us bow out. But not Christ. 
The Bible says that Jesus suffered in agony and was willing to do it. I don't mean just dying. That was the easy part. Death was a sweet release from the agony that he was suffering. The moment he died, what did he say? This day thou shalt be with me in paradise. Death was the good part of the whole thing. But not the suffering. And we don't spend enough time about the suffering. I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm as guilty as, as the rest of us. When we go soul winning, what do we say? What, what, what do we all say? Jesus died on the cross for you. And that's gospel. But I'll tell you what adds punch. I'll tell you what adds conviction. I'll tell you what draws men to the cross is the suffering aspect of it. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Jesus did what very few people would do or even could do. Now, it's 728. I believe I'm going to stop right there, but I want to read the Christmas story. And you say, oh, okay, let me get my Bible and turn to Luke chapter number 2. As far as I'm concerned, Genesis chapter 1 is the Christmas story. Genesis chapter 2 is the Christmas story. Genesis 3, all the way to Revelation chapter 22. But what part of the Christmas story, the agony of the cross, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 27? I want to close with these words. Matthew chapter 27, if you would, please. Matthew chapter 27. And I'd like to read most of this, but we're not going to. But here's the Christmas story. When Jesus said, uh, look, look, at, look at verse number 27, Matthew 27. In fact, let's just look at 20. Start at 26. But when Jesus said, to this end was I born, I came to do the will of the Father. I came, wait a minute, wait, not just to die for your sin. I came to suffer and die for your sin. Now there is a song that I often quote that is incredibly powerful and convicting to me. And as I think about it, I mean, I can sing it and not really think deeply the words, but when I think deeply about the words and hear the words, it, it, it's, it's very humbling and brings tears to my eye. And I hope that it would yours as well. Because when we think about the agony that he went through, this song makes more sense. I was guilty with nothing to say. And they were coming to take me away. But then a voice from heaven was heard that said, let him go and take me instead. And I should have been crucified. I should have suffered and died. I should have hung on the cross in disgrace. But Jesus, God's son, took my place. The song ends there. I pick it up with my own thinking. I was Barabbas. I was to hang on that cross and you were Barabbas. You were to have the nails in your hand and your feet. 
You were the one that was supposed to carry your cross, but he carried Barabbas' cross and he carried our cross. Verse 26, Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered him, the whole band, and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers, and they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocking him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after they had mocked him, they took the road off from him and put his own garments on him and led him away to be crucified. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were come to the place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of the skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. Let me just stop the reading and say that was to deaden the pain, but he wouldn't take it. He wouldn't take it. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them. And upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there and set over against his head his accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. I'm going to stop the reading right there, but that's all that it was, an accusation. It was a lie, wasn't it? I mean, he was not guilty. No matter what they said, amen. He died in our place, the just for the unjust. And for that, I'm extremely grateful. Are you not? Now, I want to have, and this is extremely rare, never have an offering on Wednesday night or in Sunday school, never have an invitation on Wednesday night, neither in Sunday school. But because this had a preaching flair to it or style to it, I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. And I'd like us just to take just a moment or two to think about what he did on the cross in your place and mine. Friend, there ought not a day go by when we don't think about the agony that he endured on our behalf. Again, I want to say the emphasis on the death. Yeah, that, yes. But if I understand the Bible, it's talking about more about how he died than the fact that he died. But just like his death would mean nothing without a resurrection, his death would mean nothing without the virgin birth or a sinless life, his death would mean nothing without his suffering because by his stripes we are healed in the silence of the moment would you thank Jesus that he came at this Christmas time that we celebrate 